lay down my rights. I lay down my life. I will abandon all of my pride. I focus my eyes away from myself. You become greater, and I'll become less. You be lifted high. You be lifted higher. I belong to you. I am nothing without you. Jesus be all, consume every part, my greatest desire, I give you my heart, I'll focus my eyes away from myself. Become less. Sing it to him. You be lifted high. You be lifted higher. I belong to you. I am nothing without you. You be lifted high. You be lifted higher. I belong to you. I am nothing without you. In every victory, in every trial, my soul will sing, be lifted high. With every heartbeat, all of my life, Jesus forever be lifted high. In every my soul will sing, be lifted high With every heart, all of my life Jesus forever be lifted high You be lifted high You be lifted higher I belong to you I am nothing without you you be lifted high. You be lifted higher. I belong to you. I am nothing without you.
sweet power <laughs> hearing a body of believers just declaring praise and lifting God's name high, isn't there? I'm going to be really honest. I had a scripture <laughs> and I forgot to mark it, so I was trying to look for it and I didn't find it. But that's okay because I do feel um, like the Lord led me to just sh share with you. I've, I've been learning a lot um, about just kind of Old Testament worship, New Testament worship, specifically the, you know, the tabernacle, the temple, and how we are now um, the temple of God, and how so much of it is just interwoven, interconnected. I, um, it's just, it's so fascinating, and um, just points so much to His purpose and glory, doesn't it? Um, but specifically, I was reminded this week about this common verse that we we read it all the time, Romans 12, that talks about us being living sacrifices. And I think it's it's different for our culture because when we hear the word sacrifice, it's we're not used to what the Old Testament believers knew a sacrifice to be, right? And so I think that if we would have been back in this time and we would have heard living sacrifice, we're thinking of this animal who could just crawl off the altar, right? <laughs> like just get up and, and leave and is that not what we are? And we're called to be these living sacrifices for God. And, and this is why it's a daily choice for us to come and get on the altar and sacrifice our lives before God and say, for your good, for your glory, your will be done, not mine. And maybe in the course of my day, I hop off and I have to apologize. I'm pointing back here. That's my husband. I feel like I say that a lot because I'm reminded that's kind of weird to look back and say, I'm sorry. I blew it. I wasn't submitting to the will of God in that moment, which was to, to lay my life before you, right? And so as we sing this song, come Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Flood this place, fill the atmosphere. Let's not forget that he is already here. The Holy Spirit is here and in our midst because that is his, his promise to us because we are believers. We are the temple of God, right? But in our singing this, in our praying this, we are opening our hearts and climbing back on that altar if we've fallen off and being that living sacrifice. Yet here again, Holy Spirit, yes, come fill my life, fill this place teach me again how to follow your will and your way. Let's pray. There's nothing worth more that will ever come close. Nothing can compare. You're our living hope. Your presence, Lord. I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves where my heart becomes free and my shame is undone in your presence Lord. Holy Spirit you are well Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. 
your glory, God, is what our hearts long for, to be overcome by your presence, Lord. There's nothing worth more that will ever come close. Nothing can compare for our living hope, it's your presence, Lord. I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves, where my heart becomes free and my shame is undone in your presence Lord Holy Spirit you are welcome come flood this place and fill the atmosphere your glory God is what our hearts long for, to be overcome by your presence, Lord. Let us become more aware of your presence let us experience the glory of your goodness let us become more aware of your presence let us experience the glory of your goodness let us become more aware of your presence let us experience the glory of your goodness. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is our hearts long for to be overcome by your presence Lord Holy Spirit you are welcome here come flood this place and fill the atmosphere your glory God is our hearts long for to be overcome by your presence Lord Father that's our prayer this morning maybe those words should be our only prayer come you are what we long for 
In your presence, we have tasted and seen of the deepest, sweetest love we'll ever experience. Fill us this morning. We know you're in this place. We know you're here with us. Fill us. You have our permission to come in and to be with us this morning. Father, I pray you be with us in all aspects of who we are today, with everything that we bring into this place. Father, the good and the happy and the things that we struggle with and the things that we're afraid to share. God, you know about those things. So when we say, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here, we don't just mean the things that we would be willing to share publicly, but we mean in all parts of us. You are welcome in who we are. And Father, may we respond to you in kind this morning. May we hear your voice speaking to us in all the ways that we've gathered for this morning. And Lord, may it direct us, may it guide us, may it comfort us where we need it the most, may it encourage us where we need it the most, may it correct us where we need your correction. Father, be with us in all ways. Thank you for today. Thank you for what it means to be here together, not just with each other, but with you. Lord, may we find in your speaking to us and being with us this morning all that we need. It's in your name we thank you and praise you. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning. Paul asked me to uh, discuss a little bit about my witnessing opportunities that I have on my part-time job. And I work for Massey Labs. I pick up um, wastewater samples, portable drinking water samples, samples from health departments and even churches in the country where they have um, schools and daycare centers. Now, most of the um, places I pick up stuff is in wastewater facilities. But before I go any further, I want to make it clear this is not about me. This is about God and how he works with and through people. So kind of blot me out as we go through this. Now, the wastewater facilities are run by men. And how do I put this but bluntly? They're godless men. They don't know God. God isn't in their life. God is something that just exists out there. He's not around at all. And so I'm traveling to one of the major wastewater facilities in Greenfield, and God tells me, hey, Bob, I want you to witness to these guys. I said, what? He said, you understand them. You were there for many years. That's why you have this job. And he went, okay. So I'm on my way there, and I'm thinking, how am I going to do this? Well, as I'm going down, the Holy Spirit kind of comes to me and says, simply, Make a connection, develop a relationship, and move on from there. Yeah, but you don't know these guys. Yes, but you do. You know how they think and feel. You've been there for so many years. So I'm going to Greenfield. I get there. <clears throat> their samples are not ready. Some of their pumps didn't work. The backflow, I won't get into all that detail. They're in trouble. Now, we're regulated by the EPA, and if you don't have your samples ready, you get a red mark against you, and there's all kinds of political paperwork and stuff, and so they're panicking. There's four guys that run it, and remember the type of people they are. And so I get there, and they say, we don't have our samples. God moves me a little bit to say, well, how can I help? I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll run out, get my two other deliveries done, and I'll be back. It'll be about an hour. Is that enough time? They said, well, maybe. So I go, I come back, and the samples still aren't there. They said, we need another 10 or 15 minutes. 
I said, okay, well, I got some paperwork to do. I go back on my car, and I almost had some time to send a text to Terry to tell how much I love her. Guys, you need to do that. So I come back, the samples are there. I start to do my thing, and now they're asking me. I said, you're Bob, right? Yeah. They're, they're asking me questions about me. Hey, we want to make sure you come here every week. And I said, you know what I did when I went and left? I said, I prayed to my God that all this would happen. And you know what? God is really good. God gave me the courage to do that in front of them. And now, and Big Jake, Big Jake runs this place. He's like Andre the Giant reincarnated. I mean, this guy is huge. So the Holy Spirit taught me and said, you make a connection. And by the way, you can make connections easy today. There's so many things going on in our world. COVID, you can't find help. Kroger has no cream cheese. I've been there three times. You can make a connection. It's easy. And then you develop a relationship. And what I did at Greenfield is God gave me the opportunity to also extend trust. Now, here's what I want to do. So come along with me, if you will. I'd like us all to take a deep breath, hold it for a minute, and then an exhale. And as you take this deep breath... Just breathe in the Holy Spirit and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Bring that breath in. Exhale. It's comfortable in here. We're family. It's nice. It's not so comfortable out there. In fact, it's toxic. When these guys take a breath, it's toxic. Now, not literally the air, but spiritually speaking. And now we live every day in our daily bread, and that's God's word. We know that. Well, when I was out there, I remember this, and when they're out there now, we have the master chef, Satan, who's feeding us. So what does all this mean? There's just a few takeaways. God kind of convicted me in saying, you understand, get out there. So the first, trust God. We say that sometimes, and we shake, shake away to something he may be asking us to do. And then Jesus had said this many times, fear not. The next thing you do is make room. We just sang the song, make room. Just take a little bit of me out and put it on the shelf. And then the last and major thing is be available. So here's what I want to leave you with to think about and something that I've been working through now for a few weeks. When God asks you to do something, or someone in the church here asks you to do something, do you look at it as a sacrifice or a privilege? I've been so privileged that God has asked me to do these things. And now I'm, I travel five to 700 miles a week. I visit many sites, and I just pray. I offer them to pray for any of the problems they have. And I've gotten, I would say, somewhat comfortable because remember what kind of people I'm going with. But the key thing, always know that God and our Lord Jesus Christ is with us. Thank you. Almost said, thank you, Pastor Bob. And it would have felt right. You know, I think of influencers in my life and influencers in this church. And and certainly Bob's been one of those influencers in my life. I appreciate him and his willingness to, 
to, to do what God asked him to do. Influencers are important. Uh, Bob talked about being taking in our daily bread. You realize that when you leave this place, you may be some of the only, the, the only daily bread someone reads. You may be the only Bible they see. You may be the only Jesus someone sees. So it's important to ask, how, how are we influencing other people? And it's also important to ask, who and what influences us? Discipleship is influence. Uh, discipleship is being influenced by Jesus. Discipleship is influencing others to follow Jesus. And so I thought I'd ask, just as we started this service, who have been the most influential people in your life? Now, now chances are it's not just somebody from history. Like, I, I'm, a, I'm a Lincoln buff. I love Abraham Lincoln. If you've been to my office, there's all these images of Lincoln. And, and so I went to work with Tony Eufinger, and Tony's a, 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 a D-word, a, a Democrat. And, and I told somebody, well, I'm going to Republican up Tony's office with all my Lincoln gear. And so now there's all the JFK stuff, and, and now there's some Lincoln in there. Chances are the people that have influenced you much, the most, are not from history. Um, admiration or interest only go so far. Relationship, shape us. And so spouses, and Terry and I celebrate our 30th wedding anniversary on a beach in Cancun, and it was so hard to leave the snow of Ohio for the warm of the Mexican Riviera, but we, we, we did it just for, for the time together and, uh, and away from the snow. Uh, parents, friends, bosses, these are the relationships that shape us. And so as we, we go through this Identity Crisis series, we're, we're working through the Sermon on the Mount, and, and we're answering the question, what does it mean to be a disciple? Uh, maybe in, in the little exercise, who influenced you most in your life, you, you answer Jesus. That's the good Sunday school answer, right? Um, but it's not just head knowledge of Jesus. Admiration of Jesus will only take you so far. Reading about Jesus in the third person will only take you so far. It's based on real relationship with Jesus. Relational knowledge through the Spirit and through others. See, that's the importance of being part of a body. That discipleship includes community, includes others, includes small groups and Sunday school classes and serve groups and being in this room together. It's the spirit in you shaping your interaction within this community so that you can live it out in the greater community. It's moving to forgive, to love, to share. It's the spirit in others showing you what forgiveness looks like, encouraging you, leading you along the way. Discipleship is based on relationship. And the only way... The only way to be a true disciple of Jesus Christ is to dive head first into relationship with other people. <laughs> I wish I could tell you it was just as easy as just reading your Bible every day. But you need other people, a community of believers, that the church is not man's ideal. The church is God's ideal. It's God's plan. We need community. And so authentic relationship with God is discipleship. And authentic relationship and community is discipleship. And it leads to our transformation. And we've been working through this through the context of the Sermon on the Mount. 
And so we're in chapter 6 of Matthew, beginning in verse 19. And Jesus says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so what begs the question in this little passage is, what can be stored in heaven? What is eternal? Well, first off, your soul is eternal. You realize you have an eternal soul. Look to your neighbor and say, hey, you have an eternal soul. Tell them, tell them right now that you have an eternal soul. Your soul is eternal, and it matters what you do with this life. That we have an eternal choice to make in this life to be with God or separate from God. To choose God or to choose separation from God. And so what you do in this life matters. And God gives you opportunities in this life to draw closer to him. And he asks us just to, to be obedient to him. Paul says, faith, hope, and love are eternal. These are words dealing with our relationship with God. But not only are they dealing with our relationship with God, these words deal with our relationship with others. Relationships are eternal. Um, We're called to internally express love towards God, but also towards others. Now, Now, this is the big Million-dollar question. Will we know each other in heaven? You know, there's no clear passages on that. You know, there, there's a passage in Scripture where, where Jesus is being questioned by Sadducees about the, the marriage and the resurrection, and Jesus says, in the resurrection there will not be marriage. And I've heard people take that as meaning, well, you won't know your spouse or those you've loved in heaven. And I think that's nonsense. Jesus is talking about legal obligation there. He's not talking about relationships. It was a trap they were pulling him into. But since relational words are eternal, love, I believe relationships are eternal. And if I'm wrong in heaven and we don't know each other, you can tell me there, right? Well, nope, oops, you can't. That works out pretty good, doesn't it? But but I think the question is this. However that looks in heaven... You know, I don't know exactly how it looks, but I trust God with what it looks like, don't you? And since God is telling me to build relationship with him and build relationship with others in this life, the question I should ask myself, is my life building relationship with God and others? What's the purpose of your life? What are you building into your life? Are you building relationships with others? Are you tearing relationships down? Are you building your relationship with God? Then Jesus goes on. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Several years ago, 
I had my, um, and, and these are reading glasses, but, but I had the LASIK surgery. And since I was a pastor then, and I was still a pastor, but as a full-time pastor, I'd get free LASIK surgery. And so I went to Dr. Wink in Dayton, and, and he did the LASIK surgery. And, and, and I love to talk about it because I, can, I could see them cutting the lens off. Anybody queasy yet? And the lens coming off the eye, and it's blurry. And, and then you could smell a little bit of burn, and then all of a sudden that lens comes back and it's clear, just like that. It's still amazing to me. I wore glasses for 50-some years, and then all of a sudden I can see clear. Seeing clear is so important. You know, seeing clear keeps you from stepping on Legos in the middle of the night. Can I get an amen there, family members? Sight's important. And Jesus is saying, see right. You, you need to see right. You need to have your vision right. You need to see the call of God. You need to see the scope of the kingdom. You need to see the life of Jesus. You need to see people like I see people. You know, I was focusing on that thought several months ago, and, 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 and I'll, I'll confess that, I, that there's times in my life where I just go through life and I don't see people. Any, anybody ever do that? You just, all the things you're doing, you're just going through life? It's not that I'm being rude or cruel, it's just I'm going through life. And, and so I, I'm standing in the line in the store, and I saw someone like God saw someone. And, and typically it'd be somebody I'd judge, and, and God broke my heart as I saw that person like God saw that person. See, if, if you want to pray like that, prepare for a broken heart, not a judgmental heart. You know, it's the story of the prodigal son, and, and Jesus is telling the, 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 the Sadducees and the scribes and the Pharisees, he said, you see these people and you call them sinners. I see them as lost children. Their, their faces on milk cartons. I want to make a confession here. I have an obsession with crime podcast. Anybody else else out there listen to pod crime podcast? You know, I love to hear these mysteries and then trying to figure out what happened. And and, and it's always heart-wrenching as you hear families talking about daughters and sons that have been gone for 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years, and they're still just wanting to know. What if we were that desperate? about God's lost children. What, what if these, these lost children, these faces on milk cartons that are represented in the community around us became so important for us that we were just desperate to reunite them with the family? Jesus is saying, see things right. Put your eyes on these things and on the relationships that matter. And I always go back to this. You, know, you realize this isn't what God wants from you. This is what God wants for you. Then Jesus begins to talk about the things that can cloud our vision. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than barbecues in the parking lot? Oh, wait, that's not what it says. Sorry, Brian. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? 
Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown to the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all those things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Now, now I can't read those words without thinking of the great Sidney Poitier and the movie Lilies of the Field. Anybody remember that movie? Anybody realize that Sidney Poitier just passed away in January? That's worth finding and watching. It's a, it's a great old movie. But Jesus is talking about what blocks our view. He's talking about materialism and consumerism. Isn't it funny how we circled back to this when we're talking about discipleship? See, see there's two different things you, you hear with regard to America. You, you, you hear about the American dream, and the dream of America. That they're two different, distinct things. That the, um, the dream of America was a place of freedom and religious freedom. Freedom of speech. The, the, the freedom to, to decide and choose and go. The dream of America, or the, the American dream, was something created in the 1920s. And the American dream was about a chicken in every pot and a Ford in every garage. And the Ameri dream of America became the American dream based on consumerism and materialism. And unfortunately, the American dream has seized our culture. Or better said, the American dream has seized our culture. And oftentimes, our culture has seized our church. And we practice consumer-only Christianity, churchianity, where it's all about me and what's in it for me and what can I take and what can I get. And God has more in mind for you and for your church. Then he goes on. We're going to skip verse 33. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. What harms relationships? I think one of the, the, the worst things that can happen in relationships is we can live in yesterday and tomorrow. <laughs> that we can fail to embrace, embrace today. See, relationships grow in today, in this moment, in this opportunity. Do you never think about yesterday? No, you think about yesterday, but only in the context of today's opportunity, not ruining what might have been or how things used to be, but remembering yesterday so you can fully live in today. Do you never think about tomorrow? Sure, we plan, but, but when we only do the planning that we can do today, we, we don't worry about tomorrow obsessively and live so much in tomorrow that we miss today. Today is the only day you have. 
And so Jesus is saying, relationships grow. Your relationship with me, your relationship with others will grow in today. And when you worry about all these things, you're missing the opportunity of this moment. And then the theme of the passage. And what I believe is the vision statement of a disciple. Verse 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. In other words, Jesus is saying, listen, if you get your priorities right, these things that you strive for, these things that you want, your heavenly Father will add them according to his measure, according to his kingdom. So let me ask you, what is the priority of your life? As we, as we sit here, what, what is the priority of your life? What's the most important thing? Is it seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness? Does that describe you? Or is it, I will seek God after graduation, marriage, kids, the new house, the next promotion, retirement? What is the priority of your life? Do you know what we have, folks? We have right now. That's it. And Jesus is saying, can you give me your right now and trust me to deal with the past and trust me to move you into the future? Can I have your right now? Um, I'm going to bring the lights down and um, Brian's going to just put some music on. I'd like to give you space to respond. And our our altars are always available. I, I think the altar's a great place. I think... In our church, probably one of the most underused resources we have is the altar. I'll just tell you that. I, I think the altar should be used more. It should be used throughout services because it's just a place to kneel before God and say, hey, here I am, God. So I'm going to invite you. Maybe there's something you're dealing with. This, this, altars don't mean that you're bad. It means you're seeking after God. That's good. And so maybe there's something God's speaking to you. I just encourage you to come. Bring your pews, but we're going to wait just a few minutes and we're going to close in prayer. Lord, I love you. Lord, these are familiar passages. And yet they never grow old. They never fail to speak. We live in a fluid culture a rapid current that if we allow ourselves just to get caught up in the current of our culture, it's not long until we're being pulled from you. Lord, you're calling us to swim against the current, to be different, to be kingdom people, seeking you first, living in this moment, loving each other and loving others, seeking your heart, trying to see things like you see things. So help us, Lord. All of us are tempted uniquely. Our enemy roams about 
like a roaring lion seeking to devour and destroy. And yet you're there as well. The lion of Judah. Help us, Lord, to cling to you. Lord, I pray for this church. Lord, as we, um, as we seek a new pastor and we seek your will, my prayer is that whoever's called will find a people who's seeking hard after you. That's declaring your kingdom and your righteousness and your goodness. Lord, I'm, I appreciate your move. May we cling even closer to it. Now, Lord, as we go from this place, we're reminded of Bob's words that we're going to encounter people that the only Jesus they're going to see is us. May we declare your name. May we show your image clearly, loudly. May you be glorified by the way we live our lives. And Lord, may your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray these things in the name of Jesus who came and put on human flesh, who although he was out fault or sin, died a sinner's death for us. He bore our sins. He bore our wounds. And yet you didn't leave him in a grave. He was resurrected. And he invites us to be buried with him so that we can be raised to life with him and declare the glory of our God and our King. May it be so in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless.